Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 110th ever show of all around sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston on a rare 100-degree day today to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as my events of the week that I attended. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week was the American and National League All-Star teams staying in the dugout to give the greatest reliever of all time, Mariano Rivera, the field all to himself in the eighth inning of the All-Star game on Tuesday night. It was truly a fabulous moment, and Rivera... And many others were quite emotional, to say the least. The fact that it was in New York at the Mets City Field was even enhanced the moment. Uh, and it was just, again, a fabulous, fabulous baseball moment. Uh, we only get a couple a year, and this was certainly one of them. And no player is more deserving of that than Rivera. I've been a big fan of him since uh, opening day 2005 at Fenway Park, following the 2004 comeback for the ages by the Red Sox to beat the Yankees from down 3-0. And Rivera, of course, gave up a lot of those uh, big hits uh, to allow the Red Sox back in. And he was so gracious that day as the Fenway fans were... uh, both booing and cheering him at the same time, giving him a hard time. He was laughing, and it was just great. He handled it beautifully, and so it was great to see Rivera get his uh, well-deserved moment in the sun. My low light of the week was just yesterday, where the cold, harsh reality of the Boston Celtics beginning their rebuilding process finally had the the attached visual. It wasn't Brad Stevens as the coach or anything like that or anything else that we've seen. It was to see Paul Pierce holding up a Brooklyn Nets jersey, and that just drove it home in, again, a stark reality that the Celtics' big three era, which lasted twice as long as anybody ever foresaw, is over. It's officially over. And Pierce, lifelong Celtic, everybody just assumed he would retire a Celtic, uh, you know, handled it beautifully. And he, along with KG, Kevin Garnett, as well as Jason Terry, were all three standing there holding Brooklyn Nets jersey. And again, showing everybody in Boston once and for all 
the Big Three era is over, and more specifically, the Paul Pierce era is over. And uh, it's just kind of hard to believe. So it should be an interesting season. should be an interesting night when uh, the Brooklyn Nets come to the Boston Garden for the first time, uh, to say the least. My bizarre story of the week is Johnny Manziel, Media Mania, down at SEC Media Day, which was really Media Week, uh, and what I'm calling Sleepgate. Obviously, Manziel's oversleeping at the Manning Passing Academy and agreeing with the Mannings that uh, he should go home and Johnny manned up and, uh, you know, did an ESPN interview, obviously spoke to an, an amazingly high number of 1,200 media. That's Super Bowl level, uh, to say the least, that were credentialed to cover SEC Media Week. And, uh, you know, his answers were interesting, to say the least. Uh, and he is just a fascinating character. No question. Uh, he also was on the ESPYs that night talking as well. So uh, Johnny Football had a big, big week, to say the least. And uh, we'll be talking more about that with uh, AP Stedham of Bama Magazine, an expert on the SEC, to put it mildly, uh, when he comes on in just about 10 or 15 minutes. Well, my events of the week. Connecticut was the place to be this week for... Uh, uh, these are two of them, and they were both. Uh, so why don't I start off with some audio clips that I collected during the USA-Costa Rica-CONCACAF Gold Cup match in Hartford, Connecticut on Tuesday night. Great crowd of uh, two games. First game was uh, Cuba and Belize. Second game was... USA versus Costa Rica, and great game. Finished up one nothing. late goal by USA. And, you know, the nationalistic pride of all four countries is just really something to behold at these international soccer matches, especially when they have meaning for qualifying for the World Cup uh, as opposed to a friendly. It's a whole different level. And it was just spectacular. One of the coolest things was at the end of the first game, Cuba was ahead like 3 to nothing. And then, lo and behold, uh, they scored a fourth goal and just went crazy. And I happened to be seated uh, in the corner of the pitch where the Cuba goal was scored. And they just went crazy, mobbing their teammate who scored it. Nobody in the stands, including me, understood exactly what was happening because they hadn't celebrated that way for the first three goals. Well, it turned out it was like uh, by getting that fourth goal – they had achieved a goal differential that qualified them to stay alive in CONCACAF and move on to the next game. So it was a great, unexpected moment and sheer emotion uh, at the highest level uh, and in a way that you can only see in a soccer match, an international soccer match. So it was just uh, really something to witness. And to have it be Cuba, a uh, mysterious country, to, say, uh, to all of us Americans, to put it mildly, uh, made it doubly uh, fascinating to watch. I was very impressed with seeing the USA soccer coach, Jürgen Klinsmann, from Germany. 
Uh, I attended his press conference after the game, and again, it was an exhilarating game. And uh, you know, I was very curious to see what this guy's all about. I mean, he is the chosen one to hopefully bring U.S. soccer once and for all onto the world stage and make USA a serious contender to win the World Cup. And he has been marching along, started off slowly, but now suddenly they have won, I believe, eight in a row. And uh, they're looking very impressive, and they're looking like uh, a country you could actually make some noise next year in Brazil, uh, a little less than a year from now, uh, uh, at the World Cup. So here is what Klinsman had to say immediately following his club's 1-0 victory. Entertaining game, a game that we push towards uh, the end in order to win it and, uh, um, and the team really deserves a huge compliment because we could have taken it easy and saying you know what we are first anyway in the group and the tie is fine but the tie is not fine with us and uh, so the team pushed it they grinded it until the last minute and deserved another goal um, and a beautiful combination there and, uh, and therefore um, obviously Happy, you know, first place, nine points, and uh, uh, and you can see that there's a chemistry developing that is fun to watch. We'll start right here with Grandpa. And Klinsman had a little bit more to say about the victory, and uh, let's hear to hear the USA coaches' further thoughts. I, I think it showed a when, when we got the lineup, you know, and uh, obviously, you know, we had the uh, previous games and, and we saw, you know, in, in general, they played a back five already. That shows a lot of respect for us. Um, and as we told the players, guys, you know, they, they're making it very compact. They're, making, they're going to sit deep. They want to counter break us, which they had opportunities to do that, you know. They have quality players that can always go to you in a specific moment. Um, but they're coming out of a very, very defensive-minded uh, shape. So we got to find ways. we got to kind of play, move the ball quickly and, 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 and wait for those moments that they might do a mistake and open up some things. You know, and and it uh, ends up in a, in a lot, a lot of work. You know? So it's good that they have now you know, five days uh, until Sunday to recover um, uh, from that game. But it was worth it to put the extra... Um, to put the extra work in there because uh, um, it's, it also builds uh, the spirit, it builds the, the chemistry, you know, and, and, uh, and they understand, you know, it's going to get only more difficult. Now, in the knockout state, you can't make any mistakes. You know, you've got to be sharp 90 minutes or maybe even longer. And I think, you know, if you look at our back, to, uh, back line and especially both center backs, uh, how they played this game today was just... Wonderful see, and Michael Roscoe is there like a rock, and and, and Clarence with his leadership pushing the line further up, you know, and not dropping deep. That helped uh, a lot in the midfielders, you know, to, to get the balls in, in, in other areas, not too deep. That's good. And that was uh, USA coach Jurgen Klinsmann talking about the 1 0 victory over Costa Rica on Tuesday night in Hartford. Of course, it was a shutout, one-nothing game, so very exciting. And here's uh, USA player Breck Shea talking about the sequence of events that led to the single goal in the game. Ball was played back to the back post. Um, had a few corners, so um, you know we, we had a, a game plan. We, we needed to look out 
of certain things. And when that ball slid back, I was just trying to get my feet across, get set, was able to come away with a save and uh, led to a break. And the guys, the guys did a fantastic job to finish it off. So that was USA goalie Breck Shea. He uh, made a great save that then started the uh, the USA's offensive uh, push for the game's only goal. And here is uh, USA star Landon Donovan talking about the game with Costa Rica. Obviously, it starts with a great save by Sean, and soccer's a funny game. Next thing you know, the ball bounces around. Herc does a good job challenging in there. It fell to Joe. Joe hit me a great pass. Um, I looked up, saw Breck running. Um, it's not hard to miss that hair streaking down the other side of the field. So I just wanted to put it in a good spot for him so he had enough time to take a touch. And uh, after the other day, he felt bad about his performance. And you could tell in the reaction by all of us how happy we were for him that he, he got that goal and got the win for us. And that was uh, the prior soundbite, of course, was goalie Sean Johnson talking about his save and then Landon Donovan talking about his pass to Breck Shea that led to the winning goal. Now, switching gears, uh, the other event in Connecticut that I attended this week was the WNBA's Connecticut Sun uh, beating the San Antonio Silver Stars on Sunday evening down at Mohegan Sun Arena. And uh, the Sun have not been off to the start that we've all been used to. They've been a powerhouse WNBA franchise for the last number of years. And I've had a couple of season-ending injuries that have caused them to have a, a slow start, but in what was just simply a pulsating fourth quarter, back and forth with the Silver Stars. Uh, the Sun held on in the end to win it, 86-84, and frankly, it was kind of a game, uh, kind of a fourth quarter that could actually uh, turn the season around and get them pointed in the right direction. So here's what new Sun coach... And Donovan had to say about the game with the San Antonio Silver Stars. This game was about how over we played defense. You know, it was not about our offensive execution. All I was looking to do was score in transition, get to the free throw line, uh, and get second shots. This team needed to really focus on our defense. We started the game that way, and then we got away from it. End of the second quarter, we got away from it. They won 7 0 run that game before we got to the locker room. Um, so we just, every time we had a timeout, we started to lose a defensive. And here's what Sun guard Carol Lawson had to say about the uh, win over the San Antonio Silver Stars on Sunday. Uh, stretch there was, um, I forget what the first play was, but the second play was clean, got that, uh, that passing lane steal and got the layup. I felt like that really helped be able to set energy on the defensive end. We were kind of reacting to them uh, up to that point in the second half on the offensive end, and there we became more proactive and uh, got into them a little bit. And, uh, you know, they're tough to guard. They have some great one-on-one players, so it's not an easy team, but um, I-, I thought that play was-, was big for us to just get recaptured a moment. And next weekend, uh, the Mohegan Sun Arena in Connecticut will be playing host to the WNBA All-Star Game. Uh, It's going to be a great event, and everybody uh, up here in New England is certainly looking forward to that, to say the least. Uh, 
Donna Deladon was the leading vote-getter, the rookie out of Delaware, and she, along with Brittany Griner, will both be uh, in the starting lineup uh, for the All-Star Game, which is next Saturday afternoon, 3.30 Eastern. And I will plan to be there, and it just should be a terrific event as uh, WNBA is a great product, and it's good to be uh, going to be good to be able to see all the stars in one place next Saturday. Well, hard to believe, but football is upon us, and we're loving that. And uh, training camps, NFL training camps are beginning this weekend as we speak. So... Uh, one of the, and of course it always kicks off with the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. And one of the inductees this year is one of my all-time favorite personalities in sports. I've had the pleasure of interviewing him one-on-one. He was obviously the coach of the New England Patriots, took him to a Super Bowl, and that of course is Bill Parcells, uh, heading into the hall. So the NFL held a conference call with, uh, Coach Parcells, uh, had to listen into that the other day, and here's what uh, Parcells had to say about entering the Hall of Fame. I don't know. I, I, I kind of think um, one of my better coaching jobs was with the New York Jets. We started off, we lost our quarterback. We started off, I think, one and maybe five or six, and we were able to eventually get to 8-8 eight and, eight. and holding that team together to, to accomplish that, I think probably was one of the better things. Now, you know, that wasn't any monumental success or anything, but I think most coaches will tell you when you start 1-6, it's tough to maintain Single moment, Bob, I, you know, uh, it's, it, those are hard. I had quite a few that are very memorable. If you pin me down, I would probably say the 90 championship game in San Francisco. You know, we were heavy underdogs there that day, and, you know, San Francisco was going for their three-peat, you know, we had lost our quarterback, Phil Sims, and we had Jeff Hostetler playing, who did a great job for us. And I think probably that, if you pin me down, was, you know, there were so many great players playing in that game, really, that, that that's what makes it memorable to me. And as a matter of fact, the fact that the referee, Jerry Markwright, told me in all the games he ever officiated, that was the greatest game he ever officiated. So that kind of stuck with me, too, that an official would view it that way as well. So that was Bill Parcells answering a question on what were his most, number one, his most memorable season ever, and number two, his most memorable game ever. Uh, as a head coach, interesting answers to say the least. And Parcells, of course, was one of the greatest motivators in the history of sports, any sport. So here's what uh, Coach Parcells had to say about motivation. Many, many times, I, I, I would say this that you know the ability to 
motivate someone is really a very, very much overrated thing, I think. I just, I think it's impossible, as a matter of fact, to motivate someone who's not a self-starter in his own regard. So my job as a coach, assuming that they are interested in improving and developing their skills, was just try to direct them. And, you know, you have all kinds of personalities that you have to deal with. Some are, you know, uh, reclusive and don't talk much and are not communicative. And you have a little trouble figuring out what they're thinking and you have to get to them and get them to explain and, and what's going on with them mentally. And then you have the others that are high strung and they're, they're anxious and they waste a lot of energy doing something that's not important. Uh, and you have to recognize and appreciate the different characteristics that people have before you can even go about trying to teach them. And I think, you know, I viewed myself as a teacher. Uh, I grew up in a family that was confrontational, and so I think I carried that some, some of that forward with me. But... Uh, in the long run, I think pushing buttons, uh, I, I really am not sure what that means other than, you know, you're trying to get people to do things that maybe they don't understand how to do exactly. And that's, that's sometimes the hard part. And that is Coach Bill Parcells talking about motivation in advance of his being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Don't know about you, but I can't. Uh, there's nothing could get me more excited for football season than listening to Coach Bill Parcells. So it was wonderful. So now, as my former co-host Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, AP Stedham of Bama Magazine. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports football and so much more is the focus of planet gridiron with damian anderson join the former arizona cardinals running back for a show that mixes well a little bit of everything damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and we'll talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field the goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and, of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. 
In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., are you staying cool today? I'm trying, John. It, it's a task. You know, you have to pay attention to it. It'll, it'll get a hold of you, that heat. It is. Are, are, have you hit 100 down there, I assume? Yeah, it's get right close. It sure feels like it. Yeah, well, we're officially at the century mark here in Boston. Uh, it looks like it's going to set a record, uh, uh, you know, of some sort for heat. And uh, it has been one heck of a July. I think we've had... Uh, Something that sounds like 10 of the last 15 or so days have been above 90, which qualifies as an official heat wave. And uh, so the whole month has been basically a heat wave. Yeah, it's a month to remember for sure. And, and we haven't hit the, the month of August yet. Exactly. We're, we're only at July, whatever, 19th. Uh, well, we're not the only place feeling the heat. I'd say Johnny Manziel was feeling the heat uh, this week as well. And uh, although, to his credit, he seems like he enjoys it, which is, I think, yet another reason to kind of why this guy is so embraced. Uh, I, of course, am talking about SEC Media Day slash week uh, down in Birmingham this week. And AP, this is when we love to have you on more more than usual in that you are – no one's more of an expert on the on the SEC more than you, and the SEC was certainly uh, the story in football this week. What are your thoughts on Johnny Manziel? Yeah, I think they were going to rename those couple of days the Johnny Mandel Show or something, John Reality Correct. Show, because there were so many people that were asking him questions, and he had quite a few to answer. But he, I think, like he does on the football field, he was ducking and dodging, and he he came through yep. it. You know, slightly unscathed, but 
but I still think there's questions in people's minds about what actually happened at the Manning Passing Academy. Uh, you know, I, I think for Johnny Manziel, he has not lost anything that he values, so he continues with that mischievous behavior. Well said, and I agree absolutely 100%, word for word. That was my takeaway as well, that, you know, questions are unanswered. Joe Tessitore from ESPN conducted a very direct, blunt interview and asked the questions that we all wanted answered, but they, did, they, they really weren't answered. And, uh, you know, that said, uh, you know, Manziel, I, I, I do I, a lot of public relations as well as journalism, and, you know, I, I recognize messaging when I see it. And clearly the message they were sending <laughs> over and over and over and over again was, I'm a 20-year-old college student. Yeah. And I just, he just yeah, kept saying it. I think everyone came away knowing it. his age, John, if nothing else. Yeah, I think everybody now knows he's 20. Yeah, and I like they, Johnny Manzo. I really do. And, you know, I, I don't not like him any less as a result of his performance. Nonetheless, you know, you said it perfectly. He, he dodged questions the way he could dodged Alabama lineman last year in that yeah, epic yeah. game. Uh, but, you know, and then to add fuel to the fire, and this is right up your, uh, right in your sweet spot, you know, they had A.J. McCarron, the Alabama quarterback, winner of two <laughs> national championships, by the way, who was his roommate at the Manning Passing <laughs> Academy. You know, of course he was questioned, you know, uh, nonstop about it. I thought he handled it well, but, you know, a lot of what he said, if you kind of, you know, he, he was talking about himself, right. but in the same light, you could take it a different way as in, you know, he was saying, I do this, but Manziel doesn't. I mean, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on your read on that? Yeah, John, exactly. It was like a subconscious reply of Correct. talking about himself, but in reference to his, his roommate, Johnny Manziel, you know, it was a complete stark contrast. His point of view was not to bring any shame to his family or his university, and that was his his goal. Whereas Johnny Manziel, he apologized so much, it was like a broken record. But when I was listening to him extend an apology for his actions, I couldn't hear the words because the continued behavior screaming in my ears. Correct. Exactly. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you've interviewed McCarran, obviously you do you, uh, what's your take on him? Did he come across as the guy that you are, have been used to seeing the last few years? Yeah. Yeah. AJ's a real genuine person and he, he tries to do things the right way. And and that's what's important. You, you don't always succeed, but you're making the valiant attempt. And he takes an interest in other people besides himself. He he doesn't, you know, uh, just always focus on what's going on in his life. He takes an interest in, you know, people who have an illness, you know, young kids and, uh, you know, family members. He's trying to help them the best he can. So, but Johnny Manziel, I I understand he's he's 20 years old. He's trying to have some fun, but what, what stood out in my mind was he he had this such disdain and disrespect for the first family of football, the Mannings. I mean, he's an invited guest. Maybe it didn't 
uh, you know, come across as being something that important to him now in his life because he was a, a high school student there years ago, and, and maybe it's just another another thing for him. It doesn't hold a priority to be invited to, to be with the Mannings and around all those other great college quarterbacks. So I think he's a person, it seems to me, John, that is destined to learn the hard way. Interesting. Interesting perspective, AP, uh, and one, again, that you speak of with knowledge since you cover Alabama and the SEC and college football. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he is a fascinating character, and you make no mistake about it. You know, America loves it, the wild side of its sports stars, and you can talk Joe Namath, you can talk Derek Sanderson, uh, and uh, a long, long list of others dating back to Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb as well. Uh, quote, bad boy image, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I agree with you that, you know, the first family of football, well said. I mean, the Mannings brought him in to, you know, as a guest, quote, to do a job, which is show up. Uh, at their camp and, you know, be Johnny Manziel. That's really all he had to do. And, uh, you know, he didn't show up. What else can you say? To paint it in its most black and white way. Yeah, there's not much more to say. I mean, Peyton went out of his way to even mention that even Eli missed some sessions when he was a young, young player. But, I mean, he's within the family. I mean, when you're an invited guest, I think that's something completely different. So why he would, you know, not show up on time or have somebody wake him up or, you know, if he knows he's going to be in that situation, he's not, maybe he sleeps hard or something. I don't know. But he said his cell phone died. So, I mean, I use my cell phone for an alarm clock as well. So, I mean, I understand that. But, you know, take care of your business. When you, you make an obligation, live up to it. And that's something simple that people can understand. But, but like I say, so far it hasn't affected his play. Uh, if he starts getting some special treatment, particularly with the coaching staff, per se, that, that could affect the team. You know, people, those, those jealousies might appear. So I, if I was a head coach, I'd, I'd try to nip this in the bud, you know, just as quick as I can and get him on the – the right path because you don't want to affect your football team because everything will come down on you like an avalanche if you start losing football games at Texas A&M, especially when you're uh, supposed to be a top-10 team, you know, contending for that Western division, trying to win the SEC, getting into the championship game. So right now that's a fragile state with that quarterback that's kind of loose at night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, again, this is not the first incident with Johnny Manziel, as I'm sure our listeners all know. Uh, he's had four or five, and, uh, you know, he hasn't crossed the line, per se, although he was just literally, coincidentally, apparently, within the past week or two, with all this other stuff going on, you know, was wrapping up some arrest case or whatever, uh, stemming from an incident, I believe, last year, but, you know... You, you're correct in saying, I mean, the Mannings clearly went out of their way to take the high road on this whole situation. Uh, again, Peyton mentioning Eli, I mean, it can't get, you, you can't go more above and beyond that in, you know, kind of dismissing the, the Manziel situation. I mean, I give them all the credit in the world for that damage control or whatever it is. I don't think we're ever going to really know. Yeah. Maybe the only person in the world who really, really will know ever 
is A.J. McCarron, since he was his roommate. And, of course, there's a story circulating around that he tried to wake him and couldn't. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, it's crazy. Again, it's yeah. – I yeah, call it sleep, Yeah, I'm sure A.J. knows. Game. He's just not the type to give up that information. And, and uh, that's, you know, like he stated yesterday, he's trying to take care of his business, and that's another man's business, and he was taught not to speak of those, you know, things. So I'm sure A.J. knows. He does know, and I and I got the feeling he may be the only person that will ever know, and certainly he's the only person with like firsthand knowledge. You know, right, he may or right. may not have you know had uh, talked with the Mannings about it. But again, you know, the Manning Passing Academy it's well known; it's the place to be. Uh, it goes without saying, if you're invited, it's an honor. That's an understatement. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, when when he looks back on his career. I don't know, hopefully hopefully he shapes up before then, but if he ever looks back and he has kids and they ask him about that incident, he's going to have to just face face the facts that that was a, a ill-advised move on his part not to show up on time and, and meet those obligations. So I'm hoping he's realizing it right now and he's going to change, but he just doesn't seem like that type of person until he – he loses something that he highly values, and uh, that's the only way he will, he will change. Right, and what that is is uh, if and when the day ever comes when his actions cause him uh, not to be on the field. That has not happened yet, even with whatever this arrest thing was. I think he did not identify himself to a policeman or something outside a bar, or maybe having to do with a fight involving others, whatever. Uh, when the day comes that, for whatever reason, his actions cause him not to be on the field, then, you know, uh, a lot is going to rain down on him. All this other stuff will then reemerge, to put it mildly. Yeah. You know, John, and one of the incidents that happened is it's kind of a minor thing, but I guess when he had that temper tantrum, on Twitter saying he couldn't wait to leave College Station because he received, I right. think, was a parking ticket. I right. mean, that that's such a, a minor a distraction for him, you know, minor inconvenience. Well, why would he even blow steam off? You know, I mean, all these people in College St- Station, they they revere him in the state of Texas and all those Aggie fans, and why would he say those things? I just can't imagine someone lashing out at the town where you're going to go to school next year and you're, you have all these fans that will be cheering for you and and just wishing you nothing but the best. It, it just seems childish. Absolutely. And we'll close this segment by saying 99% of 20-year-old college students would give anything to be Johnny Manziel. He is literally taking the phrase BMOC, big man on campus, to the next level, and he really is, and you know, uh, and for him to say that, uh, you know, uh, a nice word would be curious. That's a, a very kind word. I, it was well I, said. I, I just when I saw that that night, I was like, "What is up with him?" But it's it all comes down to me. It's a guy feeling the pressure of just being famous, and you, that's it. Along with you know, for lack of a better word, just clear irresponsibility. I'll go back to his word, uh, actions of a 20-year-old. I don't know what else to say. It's yeah, a bad combination. 
Yeah, he's been exposed, John. I think a lot of people say football builds character. I always say that athletics exposes character. Good point. Wow. Well said. And with that said, uh, AP, we're going to take our break and lots more to talk about on the other side. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. On this week's program, we'll have Gary Hamby for Deer Dirt and outdoor writer Scott Bestial, and he'll tell us how to use chainsaws for deer management. Hey, we also have another outdoor writer, David Hart and Brent Eaton with Polaris. I love Polaris. When we talk about food plots and deer management. And as always, it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with Touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins. Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune into Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play by play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the third and final segment of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And before I forget, I just want to say that my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is the British Open, one of my Favorite events, nothing like waking up in the morning, flicking on the TV, and you got live golf from Scotland. It's as good as it gets, culminating on Sunday with the final round. So looking forward to that. And uh, AP, great perspective on SEC Media Day in the previous segment from you. And uh, there was a whole lot going on. Number one, a subject near and dear to our hearts, 1,200 credentialed media. That's just amazing. Yeah, that number, John, over 1,200. I, 
one time I had done a story, and uh, I think I, I called every other BCS conference, and those, those numbers did not add up to the, the, those credentialed for the SEC combined. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I called up the uh, Big 12 and the Big East Conference at the time, the Big 10, uh, and I think I called the Pac-12 as well. That's amazing. I mean, it really is. I mean, I heard a quote uh, this week uh, in the world of football. There's now the NFL, the SEC, and college football in, in, in that order. And I thought, boy, that really does kind of sum it up. I mean, again, for we in the media, that is a startling number for everyone's perspective. Uh, I've been to seven or eight of the last ten Super Bowls. They typically credential about 4,000 media. Nothing else is even close in the world of football. 1,200 is an astounding number. You just put it in perfect perspective. The other conferences combined don't equal that number. But, uh, yeah, it just puts it into kind of a, a, you know, a, a new level. It's like they've created their own sort of level below the NFL but above the rest of college football, which is remarkable. Yes, it's an incredible thing, and the SEC, they just, on an, um, you know, ride, they continue to rise with the opening of that network next year in August, so this is the golden era. I, I, don't, I don't know if we'll ever look back 50 years from now and see this, this type of performance by a conference. Well, seven national championships in a row will do it combined with the obvious passion in the South for football. And let's also not forget, this is held in Birmingham, Alabama, Hoover, Alabama, a suburb to be exact. But, you know, we're not talking Los Angeles or New York City or, you know, wherever a Super Bowl is being held from year to year that brings in, you know, thousands of media members, obviously, for the entire week. So the fact that this is all happening in Alabama is makes it even that much more amazing to me. Yeah, everyone descends upon there, and, and there's no professional sports in the state, so that passion has been, you know, flamed for many, many decades, century. Yeah, it, it's remarkable, and obviously we covered Johnny Manziel, as did everybody else uh, in the first segment, and, uh, you know, but lots of other goings on in the SEC uh, media week, to say the least. So why don't you give us uh, some more of your thoughts on, on what you witnessed this week, uh, you know, watching on TV, that type of thing, uh, like many of us did. I was, I was watching nonstop. Yeah, John, an interesting question that was posed to Nick Saban was about playing a football game in Ireland. And that came up because, as you know, Central Florida and Penn State announced a game in 2014. Well, as, as soon as the question was asked, Nick Saban, his body language, he just came forward in his chair and he bristled at the notion and went on to say something to the effect that, you know, we're not playing in any game I don't know about because he was wondering where did that report, you know, wh where did that originate? Uh, but then the, the gentleman who asked the question kind of, retreated and he was very smart with his next question he said well what about playing in uh, ireland like notre dame did a year or so ago and then the, the next the answer was interesting because he kind of embraced that idea 
if it would gave the University of Alabama the proper exposure for his organization, as he put it. And, you know, you have to meet those financial goals of the payout and not disrupt any scheduling. And also, he said, depended on the opponent. So I thought it was just very uh, interesting to watch him react to the question because he didn't back down to say they wouldn't play over there. And he gave you all this criteria that, that would make him ex- maybe accept uh, that contract. Wow. Fascinating. Uh, well, again, you tipped me off to uh, the rumors uh, that turned out to be true that Penn State, Central Florida were uh, planning to play in Ireland. It's going to be the Saturday of Labor Day weekend in Dublin at Crow Park. Seats about 88,000. I've driven by it before, and it is an amazing-looking stadium, to say the least. Uh so, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be, you know, a great take. Again, it's the same day, Saturday, Labor Day weekend, that Notre Dame and Navy played to open the 2012 season. So, I'm Irish. I like the trend. And, you know, Penn State's <laughs> coach is named Bill O'Brien. I don't think that's a coincidence either. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that that helps the situation as well. And then the other, the other coach is George O'Leary. So, right. So, Silly me, how could I forget going that? At it in Dublin. O'Brien versus O'Leary in Dublin. Uh, <laughs> I'd say it's a natural, and, you know, uh, suddenly, and, and then this is the same year, you know, when the NFL is increasing uh, for the first time its number of games from one to two in London, Wembley Stadium this year. There'll be two NFL games, including the Steelers, in late September. Uh, so yeah, American football in the UK, it's starting to get, uh, starting to get a foothold, I'd say, no pun intended. Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting that, you know, the country of Ireland is promoting, you know, these events. So I look forward to see what happens and I'll keep my eye on the situation and, you know, report to you anything that comes across. Yes. Well, as someone who has been in Ireland the last two weeks of August leading into Labor Day weekend. It is literally, I think, the busiest two weeks of the year in Ireland for tourism because for obvious reasons, uh, anybody who's watching the U.S. Open can appreciate this or the British Open right now. Uh, it's uh, it's the nicest weather of the year. And, you know, it's just a natural time for people to visit Ireland, you know, and you throw in a football game with the likes of Notre Dame or Penn State and, uh Yet another reason to go, so it's genius in my mind, and I love it. Oh yeah. So and, yeah, it's. And, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm gonna say, John, that in some other topics that were raised, they had the the Nick Saban versus Les Mile scheduling duel. Uh, Nick Saban, he's in favor of nine games because with that format, you'll be able to play. Uh, all the teams in the conference within a four-year round robin. So every student-athlete, you'll get to, to play against those teams where, uh, you know, Les Miles, he was complaining about the fact that in this year he plays Florida and Georgia. And the uh, traditional rival that's attached to that 6-1-1 format that they currently have is Florida for LSU. So Alabama's is Tennessee. That's the traditional rival was always played on the third Saturday in October. But Nick Saban said, you know, he'd be glad to play nine games. And, uh, you know, but 
you know, most of the other coaches, he, he's the only one who wants to play the, that nine games. But Les Miles was complaining that we have to change something where I'm always playing Florida and I'm playing Georgia this year as well. So they had a little uh, spitting contest there. And then there was Brett Bielema. He's a power football from the Big Ten at Arkansas now. And he was talking about playing against that speed football that Gus Malzahn will be incorporating at Auburn again. So, you know, there's that question mark of how the game of football should be played. Should be played continuous, as Nick Saban said, and then that means you're going to get, let's say, 20 more plays per game, which would be over a season, let's say, 300. Does that uh, jeopardize the safety of players? So those are some of the other topics that were brought up. Yeah, it's, uh, again, you know, when you're talking SEC, you get down to the smallest, smallest detail. But, you know, what makes the SEC different, clearly, and we've been seeing it for many years, uh, is the speed. I mean, you know, back when they started winning BCS titles seven, eight, seven years ago, I remember those early games where you'd watch them against, say, an Ohio State, watch any SEC team, and it was just like, you know, watching a track meet with, you know, uh, sprinters versus, you know, pack mules or something. It's just <laughs> incredible. I mean, you know, I think it was startling for all of us, you know, uh, you, you know, back a decade or so ago when we first started seeing the difference and, and obviously, more importantly, seeing who won every single time. Yeah, John, you really notice that uh, the big people can run in the SEC. I think that's the... The real difference, because on the outside, you know, Ohio State, I remember when they played Florida, I think they returned the kickoff, the opening, opening kickoff maybe. But it's those big people who can attack the quarterback and create a situation where the offensive linemen have a real trouble uh, defeating them at the point of attack. So, you know, that's a big issue with the SEC. You can't have enough. You know, big guys with speed, you can't get enough of those type of, of players. <clears throat> And you really can't, and, you know, it's just funny you would say that because every Sunday, you know, up here at Gillette Stadium, I watch, you know, Brandon Spikes from Florida, Dante Hightower from Alabama <laughs> chasing down quarterbacks, and their speed in person for their size is amazing. And everybody talks, you know, it's there for all to see. But until you see it live in person right in front of you, you know, it's hard to really, uh, you know, understand what an effective weapon it is. It's just that simple. Yeah, it's very, it's very difficult to, if, if you're, especially if you're not used to playing against that type of speed, John. It, it really causes an issue, you know, for your offensive game plan. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, well, the famous line is speed kills, or in this case, you know, speed wins. And, uh, again, they're just, uh, the SEC, you know, are so far ahead of everybody else that you have to wonder, uh, you know, uh, if and when it's it's really going to end. They're just dominance in the college football world. Uh, you know, doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon, AP. I, I don't think so, John, because the people are too passionate. I mean, you take a team like the Boston Celtics and uh, through the years and, you know, New York Yankees and other teams that, have created dynasties when they're not winning the the whole organization is unhappy and they won't change that demeanor until they're on that you know bright path of winning again exactly exactly uh well AP hard to believe uh 
We're at the end of our show yet again. It goes very quickly, but I just can't thank you enough for your uh, tremendous insight and perspective uh, uh, on the SEC during what was, you know, really an epic kind of unforgettable week for uh, SEC and media days in general. They may never be the same after this one. No, no. Thank you very much for those kind words, John. And we'll have much more to talk about in the coming weeks about the SEC and all the college football. I'm getting excited, AP. Football's here. It's hard to believe. It's really here this weekend. I mean, NFL training camp's open. That's all you need to say in college football is right behind them. Look forward to it, John. Me too, AP. And Voice America listeners, thank you as always for listening to All Around Sports. We look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.